Hi there, and welcome to the YM Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Shaw. Our vision is to educate and engage apostolic leaders just like you so you can become more effective in youth ministry. In short, our goal is to help and serve you while you help serve, lead, disciple the next generation of apostolics. One of the ways that you can support this show is by leaving us a review and a star rating in your favorite podcast app, or better yet, share this episode with a friend and a fellow leader. I got one really important announcement before we jump into today's show, and that is the Youth Ministry Training Event is coming up. You're like, what is that? Well, YMT is the premier apostolic leadership event for youth workers and youth leaders. It's going to be held August 4th and August 5th at the Sanctuary Church in St. Louis, Missouri. This is totally geared for you as a youth pastor or a youth team, youth worker, or even a senior pastor of a church plant or a small church where you are wearing multiple hats and you want to engage more with your teenagers and young adults. We get amazing speakers like Tyler Sullivan, Jonathan McDonald, Derek Borders, Daniel Bernard, Aaron Soto, Garrett and Allison Robinson, Travis Worthington, emceed by the one and the only Jason Huckabee and Jerry West. That's worth the price of admission in and of itself. Worship is going to be with Jeremy Guzman. It's going to be an amazing event. I've been to Yemti so many times, and every time I leave inspired with a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost, with fresh ideas, just ready to take on the world. So if you've never been, I need you to register right now and go. Registration link is going to be in the show notes. If you've been before and you've been sitting on the fence whether or not you want to go back, absolutely go back. This is a life-changing event. You want to make sure that you're going to be a part of EMT 2022. All right, let's jump into today's content. And it, again, it's me. I'm here with some leadership thoughts that I would love to share with you that I hope are going to make an impact in your life. So I know I've talked about my story in youth ministry before, but I am like many of you, a uh, fellow millennial leader. There's probably some Gen Xers uh, kicking around, um, maybe even a baby boomer or two listening to this show. But I'm pretty confident that the majority of us are are millennials. We're you know in our late 20s all the way up to our late 30s, which is where I am. Millennials are turning 40 this year. I'll be turning 38. So I'm on that kind of upper end of the millennial spectrum and I am old enough yes old for all of the Gen Zers those that are 18 to like 23 24 that are listening to this show and you're like man this guy's in his late 30s like he's super old yes I I am old but I remember and millennials ch- chime in when you you know, you message the page about this show. Um, we remember the the culture wars in the church, the turn of the twenty first century. You know, mid you know mid two thousands, beginning stages of of the two thousands, and uh, we grew up in the heyday of the obsession of creative church or creative youth ministry, or as it was known at that particular time, 
student ministry, and there were lots of student pastors. I don't know if um, that is still a moniker that is as widely used as uh, as it as it was back in my day, but nobody was a youth pastor anymore. Everybody was a student pastor, except for me at my church. I was still, I was still a youth pastor. Um, but there, there was these kind of tensions that were going on within the church. And because we all were just rolling from the chaos of post-modernity and the collapse of, of cultural institutions and millennial angst, many of us were young adults or just stepping our toe into into leadership and we were getting into college or university or in college in university and we were witnessing the collapse of culture as we knew it modernity was falling in upon itself and we were living in this brand new age of radical skepticism a denial of absolute truth and we still are to a certain extent but it wasn't the new, you know, air quotes here, the new normal at the time. It was very much, very much this new philosophy that had been, and we don't have time to get into the history of things. It had been in in the academic institutions and even in, in certain political spheres for a very, very long time. Um, but it all of a sudden was just thrust upon um, the society at large at the dawn of the 21st century. And the world was changing so fast and, and that we felt that we weren't able to keep up. And there was this tension within the church of is the church keeping up? Is the church being the, the key word at this particular time was relevant? And and relevancy was a hot button topic. And and it was relevancy as a word was being pitted one side against the other, where you know relevancy was being used by some to say, hey, we just want to make the scripture make sense. Um, and relevancy was being used by others as a wedge to basically deconstruct fundamental doctrine out of the life of the church. And in this tension, creativity or the need for creativity in youth ministry absolutely came to the forefront because the most important value was this concept, as I said earlier, of, of relevancy. And there were these tensions between traditional Pentecostal church and a, a new idea. And listen, those of you that are younger, and I need my old millennials that listen to this show just to chime in and and let me let me know, let let the audience know, speak speak back to the people that there are many things in in youth ministry, student ministry, that that were new and novel in my beginning years that we would take for granted today that were a part of this creative thrust in the church, things like production value in services, um, um, lighting and uh, video, social media strategy, even, even the use of things like bumper videos for new series, uh, branding, our series is these were all kind of new and novel concepts that were entering into um, the church that probably were part of the broader church world, but for the apostolic church, for the United Pentecostal Church, in the early stages of, of the 21st century, these were kind of new ideas. Along with it came new worship music styles uh, as as well, and so 
we wanted to be creative. We wanted to find a way in this deconstructing society that we were living in to clearly and, and accurately communicate the gospel of of Jesus Christ and we wanted to communicate fundamental doctrine and we wanted to communicate the apostolic experience in a way that would capture the attention of of the next generation and so many of us now we have youth centers with um you know, great bands and uh, production value and, and with staging and lighting and some even got crazy LED walls and uh, great media packages um, that there was a beginning point where we didn't always have those things, but because of a desire to be creative and to connect with creativity to the broader culture, um, these things kind of happen. And there's really nothing wrong with us. I mean, we want to be creative. We, we want to put our best foot forward. We want to make sure that this incredible message of Jesus and the fact that he is the one true living God and that people of all ages can be born again of the water and of the spirit and they can become a disciple and they can live this life of transforming Holy Ghost empowered holiness and they can have a mission and a purpose for their life. I, we want to make sure we're doing a good job at creatively communicating the most important message to ever hit the human race. I think it's good that in our youth ministries that we should strive to keep it fresh and we should strive even for a little bit of of novelty that we should strive for creativity not just because we want to make a strong connection with the generation that God has called us to reach but also because for many Pentecostal churches, youth ministry is the proving ground for new approaches to uh, to ministry, new methods that the broader church will adopt later. And so we do want to innovate and we do want to be creative and we do want to strive uh, for, for novelty and newness because we're the beta testers. As, as youth workers, our youth groups are the beta testers to see what works that can be brought into the broader and the larger church. But I do have, I do have one bone to pick with my early era of youth ministry. And it was this. I feel that for so many of us old youth workers, it was creativity was the penultimate expression of excellence in youth ministry. To be cutting edge, to be new, and whether the word was you know, a dirty word or not, to be relevant to the broader culture, that was lifted up as like that... If you, if you could be creative and if you could do something new, if you could be cutting edge, all of the, you know, euphemisms from the corporate world that we have foisted upon the church, then that was, that was the apex of excellence in student ministry. And I don't think that's true. I don't think that is, that is an accurate approach. I, novelty and new is often not the secret sauce to healthy and effective apostolic youth, student, young adult ministry. I'll tell you what the secret sauce is. It's consistency. Consistency is the secret ingredient to successful and healthy apostolic youth ministry. 
the greatest thing that you can build into the culture of your youth group and your youth team is, leader, catch this, consistency. And here's our definition. I asked Siri what consistency meant. And here's what Siri told me. We know that she is never wrong. I don't know what you Google Android people do, but, but, but Siri, my girl Siri has never let me down. Consistency is acting the same way over time. Consistency is when your ministry has the ability to act the same way in the same pattern, especially towards people and how you treat them over an extended period of time. Consistency is the secret sauce to make your youth group flourish and effective. Here's why. Anybody can do anything that's cool once. Anyone can do anything great one time, but it takes it takes an excellent leader to be able to repeat a single act of greatness consistently week after week in a student ministry. Consistency is greater in my period in my opinion than than creativity because consistency over novelty brings cumulative results. Here's what Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says. Here's here's what the apostle Paul writes. He says And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. The idea in the Apostle Paul that he's bringing forth in in Galatians that's going to bring success in our walk with God and success in Christian ministry, including youth and student ministry, is the idea not that you reap really good or you sow really good one time, but what brings the harvest is when you show up and you you practice and you lead with consistency and sameness over a long period of time. Consistency builds strength in your student ministry over time. And here's probably the most important thing. Consistency brings stability for students and confidence for parents. I'm going to say that again. Consistency in your ministry will bring stability for students and confidence for parents. Let's break that down. So many young people that are coming into our student ministries right now come from chaotic lives, chaotic families, just messed up. The whole world The whole world post-pandemic seems to be reeling in this uncontrollable chaos. But when your ministry is consistent, when you're able to act the same, and we'll break down how this all works in just a moment, over time, you create a stable environment for your students. If everything is continually changing all of the time and no one knows what to expect, No one knows what level of excellence the service is going to be at. There is no consistency in quality. There is no consistency in communication. You create create a, a sense of anxiousness within those that are your key stakeholders in your ministry. But when you 
bring consistency and you make that one of your core and defining values as to how you operate, you create stability in your students. And then again, as I already said, you create confidence in your parents. Your parents are confident in the professionalism of your ministry. They are confident in the professionalism of your staff or your volunteer team. They are confident in your ability to create a nurturing, safe, disciple-making environment for their students. Often, and I mentioned this in the last episode uh, of, of content that I did for all of you last month, that, that, that parents, their complaints, often underneath their complaints is a fear that their young people are going to leave the church. When, young, when, when moms and dads complain about your events, it's often not because they don't like you. They probably do like you. It's not because they don't believe in the church. They probably do believe in the church. But what they're expressing is a sense of anxiety that their young people, their kids, are not, they're not going to get connected to the church. And as a result, they're not going to get connected to Jesus. And if they don't get connected to Jesus, that void in their soul is going to be filled by the world, which is going to lead them down a dark path where they may backslide and just, it spirals. I never really understood the pressure of this until I became a dad and my, my son is running towards his teen years. And, and when I look at the ministries that he engages in, I look for consistency because consistency equals safety and dependability, which is something I know builds a solid life because it's what built mine. Consistency and stability in my church and in my parents produced produced my life in the ministry today. And so that's what I'm looking to see repeated in the life of my son. And when you have consistency in your ministry, you're going to get the confidence of parents in you. You're like, okay, Adam, I hear what you're saying. You've used the word consistent so many times. How does this practically apply to my youth ministry in my local church? I want to give you five categories that, in my opinion, they're non-negotiable. You, you've got to execute consistently in these five categories. Number one is communication. Consistent communication. This is communication up to the side and down. So communication up to your leaders because you all have direct reports. It's your senior pastor or a ministries pastor, or an operations pastor, or an executive pastor, if you don't report directly to the senior pastor, and you're part of a mid to large size church, there has to be consistent flow of communication, where information is being pushed upward to your direct report. And don't wait for your one-to-one to make that happen. Don't wait for your tag-in to make that happen. Or however, you know, don't wait for the leader to initiate that flow of communication you take responsibility for it and you become consistent as to how your ministry is going, what issues you are facing, um, what pastoral care you are providing. You want to keep that flow going upwards. Also, you want the flow to go out sideways, and that is not just to your team, but it's also to your moms and dads. You have to have consistency in communication. Here's what this means. This means you don't jump platforms every week. This doesn't mean that you communicate to parents one week on Facebook, the next week on Text Blast, and the week after that an email. People want predictability. 
They want to be able to know when the youth pastor communicates or the youth team communicates, it's going to come through this method. It ties information together. People are drowning in digital noise. But if you are consistent in your communication, that will create stability in people's lives and create even more confidence in your ministry. So number one category is consistency in communication. Number two is your service experience. Your service experience. Now, we all have ebbs and flows. It's youth ministry. I mean, anything, literally anything can happen in a youth service. But we should strive, whether it's your youth class or your youth service, to have a consistent experience and a consistent um, level of excellence from one service to the next. Everybody can pull off something amazing one time. But the key is to find out what is repeatable well into the future. What can you consistently bring to your service as far as your music, your production value, um, your speaking, the quality of your content? You need to have a consistent service experience. So if you have... And I, and I know this sometimes flies against more traditional thinking uh, where we, th- we love sometimes in Pentecost, we love continual change and switching things up just to shake people up. And there's, there's room for that. But if every week you show up and, you know, this week we're having a, a worship service, next week we're having a small group Bible study, um, and then, you know, week three, we're breaking out the sock puppets because we got a lot of junior hires in the room. But there's not this consistent level of service experience. There's not a predictable youth service experience that can create instability. So you want to create a consistent worship service. Number three, and this is, I guess I should stop saying this one is the most important because all of them are, and that is consistent follow-up. Consistent follow-up. How you follow up with students that miss a week of services or how you follow up on your guests, that needs to be repeatable and consistent. You need to treat people the same over a long period of time. Young people are insecure. They struggle with all sorts of anxieties. And if you you are like totally, there's like an extroverted student, and, you know, you love them, you got a great relationship with them, great relationship with their parents, and something bad happens in their life, and you're, you're there, like you're present. You're with the family in the moment of struggle or crisis or whatever it is. But then there's that introverted kid that sits in the back that's quiet and socially awkward, and you're not really sure if the mom or dad likes you at all, and there's a crisis in their life, and you don't do anything. What you do for that student is you reinforce that there is a social hierarchy in this student ministry, and I'm at the bottom, and that church really doesn't care about me. Now, you may love them. You may pray over them. You may be concerned for them, but because you're inconsistent, you allow people in moments of pain and struggle to write a story about you that you never intended them to write. And so consistent follow-up. So is, is, is key. Um, number four, 
your social events. Consistency in your community gather. So we have a worship service or a youth class of some kind, but we also know that if we're going to keep young people connected to the church, we've got to build real community. We've got to foster an environment where they can be friends with one another in the context of the church, that we are church friends. We're in this youth group together. We are unified in the common struggle of being apostolic young people in the 21st century, trying to make a difference for the kingdom. And so we've got this thing in common that we're both trying to get to heaven and take a whole lot of people with us along the way. That, that's what unifies us together. That's what allows people from diverse backgrounds to come to one church and, and form bonds and friendships that they could find no other place on the planet except for how they are united in Christ, in the body, and part of your youth group. And so you've got to foster those community-building environments And those need to be consistently calendared and executed. The fifth thing is you need to be consistent with your preaching and teaching, consistent with your sermon series if that's how you roll. This youth ministry is not the time to be completely led by your gut where you just show up and wing it. We we love... You know, we celebrate because we're so spirit-led in the Pentecostal church, and I love this, where we we show up and we be like, I had a message planned, but God changed it. I have these notes on a napkin. I'm turning off my iPad, and we're just flowing with the whole... That's great. Those those prophetic sermons are life-changing, and they're incredible, and, and people remember that. They remember it. But that's not how most people are going to be discipled. Most people do not lurch from one prophetic word to the next. They are discipled through a consistent diet of diverse biblical teaching and preaching. Let me give you an example. Let me use food. I'm a foodie guy. I remember I remember the fine dining restaurant that I took my wife to when we got engaged. It was in Winnipeg, Manitoba, the coldest place on the planet that I've ever been to. And I had just proposed in this beautiful park and and we went or we had to this this restaurant which isn't open anymore. I was I was so devastated because I wanted to take her back. Um, but this restaurant was incredible. We had food that we had never had before. It was the best service we'd ever had. And also I we just got engaged. And so it was a memorable meal. It was this, it was it was amazing. But let me tell you what, if that was the only meal that I had, this special one-of-a-kind meal, I would have starved to death long before I'd ever met my wife. I can't tell you what my mom fed me Monday 25 years or 35 years ago. I can't remember what I ate for breakfast on my sixth birthday. But I do know that I was fed. And it was the consistent non-memorable meals prepared for me by family that sustained me, helped me be healthy, and helped me grow. The same, this is the same way to approach preaching and teaching in youth ministry. This is why you got to be consistent. You've got to look at your calendar, and you've got to say, what do my young people need to know? What tools do they need 
and the tool belt of discipleship of their heart and of their soul that's going to help them become who God wants them to become. How do they need to be equipped? What are the core fundamental doctrines and teachings and lifestyle practices that young people need to hear that, no, they're not going to shout over it. No one's going to, you know, cut a, an Instagram reel of this lesson and put it on the internet and it'll be amazing and I'll, we'll get so many likes because it's just really basic stuff, but it's what's going to feed them. So you need to have consistency with your sermon series, consistency with your preaching and teaching. This means you look at your calendar, you figure out how many youth services you have in a given year, you account for all of your cancellations, you get in a place of prayer, and you go, okay, God, what do these young people need to hear? And you look over one year or two years or three years, and you start dropping in major subjects that you're going to spend three or four weeks on that you may repeat year in, year out. So every year they hear about the new birth. Every year they hear about core elements of holiness. Every year they hear about how to read your Bible and how to pray and how to fast. Every year they hear about that God has a mission for their life and that they need to keep themselves sexually pure because that's a major struggle for young people and how to protect against pornography addiction and the scourge of social media of robbing their minds. Like repeat those subjects over and over and over again. If you, after several years in the youth group, people start to roll their eyes that you're back talking about this subject again, that means you've probably got to the point where most of them will remember and digest it. So when you're preaching and teaching, yes, we want to creatively communicate the word. We want to engage people. We want to connect with people, but we need to be consistent with the Bible first and equip young people for the apostolic life that they are going to live in the 21st century. And consistency, if you're going to execute consistency in these five categories, communication, service experience, follow-up, social uh, events, and, and sermon series, it's going to require you building processes into your ministry. Consistency always requires processes. A process is simply this. You take a look at a common thing that you've got to do all the time as a youth pastor, as a youth worker, and you decide what steps need to be taken in order to solve that problem, meet that need, or execute that task. And then you repeat those key actions over and over and over and over again. In my local church, we have a follow-up process. We have a process that we do with every single individual that comes as a first-time guest to our church. We have people that on their first service, they come running out of their seat. They come, they fall on their face at the altar, and they pray through. And then we have other people that sit in the back with their arms folded, and you're not sure if they're ever going to come back. They all get the same handwritten card from the pastor. If they filled out a guest card and we got their address, they all get the same handwritten card. They all get the same phone call, and they all get the same first-time guest gift. Why? Consistency. 
You don't know what's going on in somebody's life. You don't know what's going on in somebody's heart when they come through the doors. You don't know if that person in the back with their arms folded is holding back tears and fighting back tears. So rather than try to evaluate the hearts and minds of the people you're called to serve through gut instinct, you just make a decision. We're going to do the same thing with every young person that misses a week of service. We're not going to assume they're in spiritual crisis, but we're not going to assume they're okay either. We're going to make a phone call. We're going to follow up. We're going to see where they're at. We're going to have a process for communicating to parents. We're going to have a process for communicating decisions in the ministry. We're going to have a process for following up on guests. We're going to repeat these same steps over and over and over and over again with consistency. Now, whenever we talk about discipline and leadership like this, there are often a couple of myths that I need to bust in the process. The first myth is people often say, well, Adam, if we are this fanatically disciplined, then doesn't that kill our creativity? No. Having processes in place frees you to be really present with people. It frees you and it frees your mind. Instead of constantly figuring out what to do you get to focus on how to do it as best you can. So when you have a sermon calendar that you've been prepping for a year or two or even just six months, you're not lying on, on your basement floor on a Thursday night getting ready for Friday youth service screaming, God, give me a word, and then hastily writing it down on a napkin. You're you're trying to find the best way to make that message you've already decided you're going to speak come alive to the people that are in your group. Consistency actually releases you to be as creative as you can be. Another myth I need to bust is that consistency does not mean that you are not spirit-led. In fact, consistency liberates you to be truly Holy Ghost-inspired and spirit-led. Do not mistake the adrenaline rush of procrastination for the anointing. <laughs> I want to read that part again. Do not mistake the adrenaline rush of procrastination for the anointing. There is a rush when you're throwing things together at the last minute. Unless you're a fanatical planner and you need to know things so far in advance and sudden changes plunge you into anxiety. Within Pentecostal culture, there is this adrenaline rush of pulling things off at the last minute. And forget Pentecostal culture, just staying up late cramming for the exam. There, It's a great story. Everybody talks about when they talk about their college or educational experience, their university experience, they're like, man, I studied up to 3 a.m. I stayed up to 3 a.m. to study for that exam or I was up all night writing that paper. That's an exciting story. When you talk about how many Red Bulls you had to drink in order to be able to hand in the assignment on time, nobody sits back and goes, whoa, that's a great story. When you say, hey, I color-coded my calendar and I blocked my time so I would make sure I handed the paper in on the exact date that it was due and I didn't have to ask for uh, any sort of extension and I got it done in the exact allotted amount of time. Nobody's like, oh, that's a cool story. Nobody, nobody says that. And so as a result, because nobody says that, 
we can in ministry try to do everything so at the last minute because there's this rush and if we pull it off, we got this amazing killer story. Fight that urge. Fight that urge. That is not the anointing. That's panic. That's just you freaking out on the inside. That is not, that's not Jesus. Jesus that can speak to you the night before can often speak to you six months before if you give him time and space to speak into your life. Here's, here's how I would liken it to. Here's what consistency can do. Like a well-rehearsed and skilled musician can improvise and flow in an apostolic worship service because they're planned, they're prepared, they're practiced, a consistent youth ministry, a youth ministry filled with consistent practices and processes is free to uniquely meet the needs of students. Consistency means that you've got disciplines in your life that you can be spirit-led and God can move. And when you are writing that card to that first-time guest, the spirit may prompt you to write a unique message. When you have that follow-up phone call, discernment may strike you and you may know exactly what that student's problem is. And because you had a discipline in your ministry of following up on everyone, you were able to have that life-changing, as, as my friend Matt Johnson always used to put it, that, that five-minute conversation, that life-changing five-minute conversation on the phone or in person when they come back to church that redirects and shapes their whole life, that was completely led by the Spirit. But your discipline process opened up the door for you to have that conversation. Consistency liberates you to be led by the Holy Ghost. So what are you what do you got to do now? Well, here are some next steps. I need you to perform an analysis on these five categories and how you execute them in your ministry. How you communicate, how you deliver a service or a class, how you perform follow-up, how you plan your social events, and how you put together your sermon series, your preaching, teaching calendar, however whatever you want to whatever you want to call it. And here's, here are the, the three questions that, that you need to ask yourself after you perform this analysis. Where are we the least consistent? Write down the answer to that question. You'll probably, you probably already know it right now. It's come to the forefront of your head. Number two, what change will make the greatest difference, the greatest felt difference? What change if we start getting consistent or becoming more consistent, more disciplined? And if we start doing this, oh man, it's, it's going to make such an impact on people's lives right away. And then finally, number three, what can we fix fast? I call it the consistency snowball owed to Dave Ramsey, of course, with the famous debt snowball. But fix the easiest problems first. The things that you need to become consistent in that are the easiest to tackle, you do that right away. Maybe it's deciding that communications to parents are only to be done through email or text blast. 
and you scale back on your other solutions. That's an easy decision to make. Maybe it's for you as the point leader saying, you want to know what? I am going to bust up my calendar, and I'm going to plan the sermon series from now until the end of the year. I'm going to map out at the very least the topics that I'm going to talk about, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to sketch out what I'm going to talk about each week for each one of these sermon series or lesson plans. I'm, I'm going to write all that out. Maybe that's the easiest fix. But you start with the thing that is easiest to solve, and then you gradually work your way to the more complex issues that require greater cultural change and maybe more painful. Listen, I believe that God wants to do great things in your youth ministry. I believe that the key to that is consistency. I I know this may go against popular logic, but I believe that a mediocre method performed with excellence and diligence and faithfulness is better and more effective than the greatest, newest, most cutting edge thing that you only can pull off one time. Consistency is the key. We're all called to make disciples of Jesus. That means walking a long time with young people, pointing them in the same direction over the course of their preteens, teens, and young adult years. Consistency is hard. I get it. It's not my strong suit. Discipline is hard. I get it. It's not my strong suit. But God rewards faithfulness. I know that God has great things for your life and your youth ministry. That's what you'll give him. I just want to remind you before we go, if you haven't hit pause and registered yet, go to the show notes and register for the Youth Ministry Training Event 2022. It's going to be amazing. I will see all of you in August. God bless you. Take care. You have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening.